together. This is a reflection, this is a demonstration of the kingdom of God. Jesus modeled that brilliantly with his disciples. And then he died and he left them. And they were left and they were devastated. But then he returned to them. I want to read this passage uh, to us. Afterwards, this is uh, found in John 21. Jesus has died. He's uh, uh, risen from the dead. And he spends the, these next few days or weeks revealing himself to other people. And, and some of the key people that he goes to see again are obviously his disciples. And here are seven of them. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way, and there's uh, seven of them there. Um, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. We have this story of seven of the 12 disciples. They've left Jerusalem and they've gone north. They've gone to Galilee, which is a good, it's a good trek. And um, they're there. And Peter goes back to what he thinks he knows best at, which we find out he's not that good at. Peter says, I've gone fishing. I'm going fishing. It's like his world and his life has been devastated. And he goes back to what he did before, before this Jesus man rocked up. He says, I've gone fishing. I wonder where we go in those places when, we're, when the chips are down and we're kind of feeling lost. Where do we go or what do we do? It kind of remind me, uh, reminded me of like that sign, gone fishing. Peter decides to go fishing. And the other six lads, they look to Peter because he's a leader. They're saying, we're going to come with you. And so they jump into the boat uh, together. And they fish all night. And they catch absolutely nothing. Bit of deja vu going on. Remember in Luke 5, when Peter and they goes out all night. And they catch absolutely nothing as well. And we learn something really deeply profound about Peter. He's absolutely rubbish at fishing. Jesus standing on the shore calls out to them in the boat. And I just love this. This has to be, has to be a sense of humor from Jesus. He's standing on the side of the shore and he calls out, haven't you any fish? It's just brilliant. I've watched Trawlerman. You ever watch that, lads? Channel 4 or more 4, it's one of those silly programs. And they go out and the Scottish guys there, Captain Birdseye, he's on the, they're out there and they've been going nine days and oh, and the nets are out. They've been out all night long and blah-de-blah and oh, they've got to haul in a really good catch of fish to pay for the fuel. They're out near Norway and all the rest. You ever seen this or am I just talking to myself? There's a few manly blokes going, yeah, we've seen Trollerman. And... And so then, invariably what happens is this big net comes up and they're really hoping for this big haul of prawns or haddock or some really, really good that's going to, you know, make them a quick buck or two. And usually it's full of like, I don't know, dogfish or some other rubbish fish. You can tell I know absolutely nothing about fish. I'm just quoting anything, aren't I? And, um, and they're like, oh, no, God, flip, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Jesus calls to the disciples, haven't you any fish? I mean, Peter's been out there all night with the lads and they're fed up because they've caught nothing. 
haven't you any fish? It's brilliant. No, no, actually we haven't. And he says this, throw your net on the other side. Peter must be thinking, I remember that time just three years ago when Jesus said to me, just throw your nets in one more time, put it in deep and you'll catch fish. And you know the story, they caught a huge amount of fish. And Peter's wondering, could this be? Could this strange man who's taking the mick out of us, could this be him? Could this be the one? Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John who's writing the book, uh, says to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he had taken it off, jumps in the water, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with a fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. Simon Peter climbs back into the boat, drags the net ashore, full of fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. John says to Peter, it's the Lord. And as once when he heard that, Peter, in all his excitement, like the time when he jumped on and uh, out onto the sea and starts walking to Jesus on the water that night, he jumps out of the boat. He's so excited to see Jesus. And Jesus calls him and says, bring some fish. Let's have some food together. A couple of points I want to make on this. And the first thing is this. You can have community, but without Jesus. You can have that. Every single one of us in this room and every single one of us in this town, every single one of us in this world were made for social interaction. We're made to be in community. We're made to share our lives and do things with other people because we crave human contact. The worst form of punishment in terms of any kind of jail sentence is isolation, being in complete isolation on your own with no human contact whatsoever. We were made for relationship. And Jesus calls us to be in community with him. Peter and the guys had gone. They'd left. They'd gone north. They'd gone fishing. And they were without Jesus. And it is possible for us to have community. It is possible for us to do that. But, but without Jesus. We, um, many of us are part of different kind of social things outside of church, and we want to celebrate that. I love it on a Saturday morning that I coach rugby down at the rugby club. I love it that the, the park run that takes place in Carrick most Saturday mornings is a group of people gathered together with a common interest of running. It's absolutely brilliant. And I know that many of you are involved in different kind of social things. And we encourage you to be a part of that. Go and be Jesus. Go take Jesus because he lives in you into those social contexts and into those places of community. But the difference between those things and the things that we want to, uh, to model and to gather around is having places where the presence of Jesus is always at the very center. We are launching our life groups last week, and a good number of you have signed up so far, which is brilliant. And we are inviting every person in this room, every person who is a part of our church, to consider one of those groups and sharing your life 
with other people. The second point from this is a very simple thing, but a deeply profound thing. And that's that they had breakfast together. They ate together. That's why we go to um, uh, great lengths to create a cafe afterwards, to have coffee and tea and donuts and biscuits. It's because there's something deeply profound that happens over food and over drinks as we share our lives with each other. And we'd encourage you, even though the room's getting pretty full right now, uh, to do that. We know that we're kind of on the brink of having to open up the second canteen and create two cafes. We know that we're there. And uh, we will do that um, once we think that's the right time and also when some other folks join the team. We need people, by the way, that's a shameless plug, but we need people to sign up to be part of that cafe team to serve those drinks in order to, for us to um, create and have community. I'm going to skip forwards to this very well-known passage. It's almost like the blueprint of uh, small groups. It's the blueprint of true kind of Christian community that we have in church. It's at the end of Acts 2, and I'm going to whiz through it. It simply says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a contrast in this passage. This passage has such hope, with such uh, celebration where they're just sharing of their lives and sharing of their possessions and their glad and sincere hearts. What a contrast between this passage and the passage where the disciples have gone back to the lives that they ever knew. Jesus was present by his Holy Spirit in this passage. Jesus was present. They met regularly. They shared everything. They worshipped they met in groups, they ate together, and they shared in communion. I'm going to invite um, a friend of ours, Gail, if you would, uh, wouldn't mind coming up. Uh, Gail is married to Ivan, who spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I've asked her to share from her personal kind of journey in just over a year coming to our church. Yeah, a year and a bit. Well, Paul's very quick to ask people to take part. He likes us all to be involved, so he asked me to share my experience of community here in Vineyard. We've been coming now a year last November and we came every week and we have enjoyed it very much. But prior to that we'd been going to a church in Belfast for many years and we decided it was time for us to leave. We had no idea what church we were going to go to but we wanted to go somewhere more local. So we decided to try a church in Carrick we went one Saturday. If you know Ivan, you'll know that he likes everything to be just so, and he's a bit OCD. So we had to go and look for it on the Saturday. So we set off on the Saturday, and we couldn't find the church. Went all around Carrick and just couldn't find this particular church. But we did find the venue, uh, venue in the centre of the town. And I saw cap money, and then I saw a tear fund, and then I saw different things in the window, and thought, that's a church. And we looked, and there was a service here on the Sunday. So we went, let's go. Now, that was very daunting. 
We knew a wee bit about Vineyard, but not very much. We had no idea who was going to be here. We had no idea the type of people were going to be here. We didn't know what the service would be like. We hadn't a clue. We arrived at the door, and I didn't even know how to open it. I remember standing, pulling it the wrong way, and feeling, let's just go home. <laughs> but we came in, and we were greeted by this enormous smile, and it was Leslie. And we hadn't seen Leslie for 25 years. We had grown up in the same church, albeit we were a bit older. But that was really good. So we came week after week after week, and we sat. We enjoyed the worship. We enjoyed the teaching. And we sat. And we heard Paul and Chantel say all the time, everybody gets to play. And I was saying in my head, yeah, but I'm not going to. I'm going to sit and I'm going to enjoy it and I'm actually not going to play. I'll just sit and watch on the sidelines. After about eight months coming, we decided that we would maybe invite some people for a meal because we decided then, just as Paul said, that we needed to reach out. We needed to eat with people, drink with people and actually get to know some folk. So we invited two couples that we felt comfortable with to come for dinner. During that evening, I was asked to take part in Sparklers and to help. And I knew then I had to make a choice. My choice was going to be, will I sit and watch on the sidelines or will I get involved and play? Well, I made the choice and I decided to get involved. That was in September I started. And coinciding with that, our granddaughter came to church with us. And if any of you know her, she's very excited. She loves church, she loves rockets. So she just wanted to be involved in everything. So we no longer could not go for coffee. At this point, we had been coming 10 months and we'd never reached the coffee room. We'd never gone upstairs. We'd gone home. So we had to go. Now we decided, right, let's just chat to some people. Let's get to know people. And more importantly, let's people get to know us. So that's what we did. We got involved in a life group. We were asked to take part in the welcome team. And for the first time in a long time, we stood at the door at Christmas at the service and said to each other, yeah, this is our church, and you know what's good? I can confidently now say that we have made some really good friends in this church, and we've gotten to know lots of people, which is really good. So I want to encourage you today to take that very small step and get involved in something that's appropriate for you, and then play, and don't just sit and watch. Well done. <laughs> Folks, the reality is that in, in a church, there's going to be a whole manner of different depths of relationship. You know, you're going to have um, people that you know, you know their name, how you doing, you know. That's enough, and that's as far as that one's going to go. You might know where they live. You might know the names of their kids, and that's great. And that's, that's a relationship of some kind. Then there's going to be uh, people that you know really well, hopefully, and people that you choose to share your life with. And just, for, just personally, I'll just be personal. In life, I have my wife who share everything with terms of good, bad, and ugly. She knows it all, okay? Um, in this church, I'll be honest with you, um, Steve 
Fugard, who work with, knows pretty much everything too. And that's the relationship that I've chosen to have, to do that with. And the point is I've chosen that because it's an individual choice. You choose, as Gail did, the depth of relationship. You choose. You know, we can meet for coffee and we can chat and all the rest, but you're the one who has to choose community. You're the one who has to choose being vulnerable. You're the one who has to do that. And um, so there's that. And then I know quite a few of you quite well. And I'm privileged that you've shared some really deep things in your life with me. And you've entrusted me with that. And, uh, and thank you for that. And, uh, and there's a, a high degree of uh, confidentiality that kind of comes with that and trust. And then there's folks that I know and that's that. Now that's me and I'm the pastor. But if you're part of this church, then you've a role to play and you've a place. And like it says there, the, the, the body is made of many parts and each part has its role and it has its own place within it. And I'm simply encouraging you this morning is to choose that. For some of you, community and relationship comes easy. You thrive on that. You crave that. You love it. Oh, coffee, yeah. Let me just open my diary. But for others, I fully appreciate it doesn't come easy. You know, and there's several reasons. One is personality. Introvert. I like to actually do life myself. I like to go. And I get that. For others, it's, a, it's an issue of trust, of trusting people um, and, and what have you. And uh, there, there's lots of different things in there, but I would encourage all of us to buy in to this. Hebrews 10 says this, Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshipping together, as some do, but spurring each other on especially as we see the big day approaching. The NIV says this, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The Bible encourages us to do life together. Put this image in not to be controversial in any way, shape or form. And uh, we were going to do this, but we're kind of running out of time. Uh, I was going to actually create a scrum here with eight of us. I thought that would be a bit of fun. Um, but, but a picture a rugby scrum, whether you're into rugby or not, it's an incredibly powerful thing. Eight men, all women, going against eight others. And within a scrum, it's an incredibly powerful thing, literally. Each man has the same thing in mind, the same heart, the same drive to drive out the opposition. Eight are better than one. There's a greater force and drive that can be achieved. For a scrum to work properly, everyone must move in the same direction, together. Not going against each other. The scrum can collapse, the scrum can turn and rotate, must be moving in the same direction. And each man has his own role to play. If one is suffering or carrying an injury, the others gather around and help. And I love it. I love seeing guys, especially, because I am one, but also girls 
when we see someone where life has gone south, when something has occurred. And I love it when we get around each other and we shoulder and we protect and we stand with that person. We say, we're going to go together. Come on. You're not made to do this on your own. You're not made to journey life and all of its pain and all the things that come with it by yourselves. You're to do it with others together. And then lastly here, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. When people from the outside look inside and when they see this kind of community being acted out, others are drawn in. Acts chapter 2, and the Lord added to their number daily. When they see this at work, when they see true love, true care for one another, others are drawn in. Our desire is not to be an exclusive club. We're a church with no walls. Anyone is welcome to come and eat and be a part of what is going on. I love the fact that a number of our groups uh, lend itself really, really well to doing that. It says there, let's be inventive. We're trying to be inventive. We're trying to be creative in terms of the way that we gather together. Can we stand? That'd be good. And can the guys come up?